Great. We have been going through a series that I'm calling Still Small Voice, Hearing and Discerning God's Spoken Word. We really do believe that God still speaks to his people. And um, that makes us different from some churches. Um, But I believe um, that this is a really important thing. Let's see how we're doing here. Great. So we had a listening exercise, right? And that will be a fun thing uh, at the end of the, the sermon. Stephen will come up and we'll kind of hear kind of how that all turned out. A couple of verses I wanted to bring up to you this morning on this topic. John eight forty seven. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. In other words, if you've started a relationship with Jesus, if you said, yes, I'm all in Jesus. We talked about that last week uh, on Easter. Then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you and he begins speaking to you spirit to spirit right? And you hear God's voice. Sometimes we think about hearing God's voice as an audible voice. A few of us have heard God's voice audibly a couple times. I only heard it once in my whole life. Um, And I always say about the audible voice of God, if God has to speak to you audibly, you're probably in really big trouble. So you probably don't ever want to hear his audible voice because it probably means that you're going to be up against it, right? But whoever belongs to God, hears what he says. Jesus is saying this. So some of you right now are going, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I'm a super analytical. Andrew, I'm super analytical. I, I'm left brain to the max. I, this is so squishy. I'm afraid. It's okay because whoever belongs to God, hears what he says. Jesus talking about himself as the good shepherd and explaining that we're his sheep, those who follow him. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there is this opportunity that we have to learn how to hear God's voice, and it does take some time. It takes some practice, like my friend Stephen was just saying. Now, I've got a couple building blocks, and perhaps, David, you can help me by throwing me a few boxes. If you sit in the second row, sometimes you get to throw boxes, right? There are a few building blocks that we'll talk about. First one, first one I have right here is stillness, right? The idea that we're going to posture ourselves in a place that we're listening to what God has to say. We're tuning in to the frequency that he's speaking, if you will. My favorite, humility. Why? Because no one wants someone else to come up to them and say, I've got a direct line to God, you don't, and now I'm going to tell you how to live your life, right? Ain't nobody got time for that. So the pure in heart will see God. This, this idea of humbling ourselves, God is so, his presence is always attracted to humility. And we're all learning, no matter how long we've been doing this, we're all learning, right? I'm never going to arrive as perfectly hearing God's voice. I don't think. And perseverance. Why? Because sometimes you don't hear the first time. Sometimes it takes a while, and you're going to hear about that in a second as I bring my friend up, um, that sometimes, you know, the Lord is patient. He'll keep speaking, and he's a repeating God. He loves to keep saying the same things over and over, and we'll continue to see that throughout the series. And lastly, thank you, David. You are the best. This one right here, purity. There is just something about keeping our hearts pure that keep the signals open. There's no interference, if you will. And so as I pursue more and more purity and say even those little things that are those little compromises, I'm going to get rid of those things. All of a sudden, I just feel like I can hear God better and better and better. 
This is not a legalistic thing. Like, oh, well, if you're not perfect, you're not going to hear God. None of us are perfect. But certainly I know where I make those little compromises, those little things like, well, I'm just going to do that selfish thing or I'm going to do that thing. But it just begins to gum up the receiving process. I'm going to have my friend Casey come up. And she is very analytical. She is extremely bright. She's really fun to be with. She actually serves on our board as well. We got two board members on stage on the same morning. And uh, Casey, you serve at the great institution of Chico State University, correct? I do. What's your role? I am an associate professor of animal science. She's like an expert on like cows. 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 And cows are so cool. Anyway, so tell us a little bit about this process for you hearing God because you are pretty left brain. I am um, very left brain. So even the term research for me has contention because I filter research through the process of the scientific method. Um, I... So just a little bit of background about me, which kind of helps set the stage, is I really didn't become a believer until I was 28 in the middle of graduate school in New Mexico. Um, I had grown up going to the LDS church up at home with my grandparents, um, so I knew about God, um, but I didn't have the opportunity to really become a believer. I didn't have the opportunity. God didn't chase me down um, hard (laughs) in grad school um, until 28. And so a lot of those soundtracks in that process um, and those skills were already really, really formed and really thick. And those neurons are really, really transformative. Um, So this whole process over the last 13 years of trying to hear from God has really come in two major phases. So when I first came to Christ, everything was hearing from God. Scripture, sermons, music, nature. Um, And I grew up on a ranch, so nature is where, like, I really do feel like I can be in communication with God. And with that, my family is branding today. Um, I am here. Lord, please forgive them for what is said in the sorting pen, and please let there be no wrecks. I just got to get that out of the way. Um, And so it's, uh, it's always, it's always fun. But that's, I mean, I, I, can remember as a kid feeling close to God when I was on a horse at the bottom of a, a hill or a mountain, and we had to go up to find the cows. I was like, this, this is way too big for me. This is, thank goodness I'm on a horse because I don't want to hike. And that combined with fresh air and crisp blue skies and beautiful green grass, I was like, that is God. These guys all just want to run yeah, outside right now. I know. <laughs> Um, so, so looking, so the reflection process has been a really big key for me in this process. Um, and that's come through a lot of the programs we have here at the church. So thank you, church family, for, you know, pressing into Terry Walling's teachings and focused living and apex. Um, the reflective process for me has shown me where God has spoken my life Mm. and has allowed me to step into that in the present. So, Um, And then journaling has been probably the most um, consistent, I'm not going to say a significant piece of that. Um, And so the the second phase of, you know, being a believer for me is what Terry really classifies as like, God stops chasing you and he wants you to chase him. Mm. And that is scary because what ended up happening for me is the ways that I was connecting with God and hearing with him in the first part of my Christian life was not working. 
Oh, so and it changed. So it changed. Mm. And so um, that's where perseverance came in for mm -hmm. me. Um, also, it may be called grit or stubbornness. Um, and so I, I have a really, really high value of follow through thanks to my upground and upbringing. And um, I can now know where that kind of comes from. So that, that is good. But like, I know that at the end of the day, God wants to have a relationship with me. Um, and that is in everything that um, I interact with, whether it's reading, coming to church, listening to sermons, podcasts, or whatever. And so I know at the end of the day that that's what he wants. The path of getting from where I'm at to there has been really tricky. And But that's where my analytical gifting has really come in handy. It's like, we're going to try things. And if we don't hear from God, we're going to journal about it. So we have a record of it. And then we're going to try something else. And so I'm really enjoying this uh, sermon series because I've learned a lot of new skills. Hmm. But um, I think over the last five years where I have had to start chasing God, um, the, the ways that he speaks to me is uh, probably more often than not through other people. Hmm. So a really quick uh, story is that my mom uh, passed away in 2018 and she had gone up or grown up going to the Methodist church and but never really was very spiritual or religious and um, but I knew that she had that foundation but when she died it was hell trying to think through did she make it to heaven or didn't she Mm. And we had had a conversation a couple of years before she died about like, you know, the Bible says this, this, and this, mom, and this is how you become a believer. And so there were about two weeks after her death that I was just in, in hell because I didn't know where she ended up. And that caused me to have some really serious conversations with my dad. I'm like, dad, this isn't worth the, the mind and the turmoil that's going on in my mind. Are you a Christian? He's like, yes. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, do you believe in God? Do you believe he came back? And do you believe he rose again? And he's like, yes, Casey. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're okay on dad. Um, and, but what ended up happening is my aunt, who is very uh, much still a part of the LDS church, she came to me and was like, hey, I need to tell you something that's going to sound weird, but I had a dream that your mom's holding hands with Jesus. And from that point, I just had peace, and I know exactly where mom's at right now. And so um, the him speaking through other people has really been a huge key in my life. So Don prayed for me a couple weeks ago, and we had some movement um, on a job position that I had applied for within two days. So thank you, Don. Um, and then the other ways that I have uh, heard from God is with really crystal clear thoughts that come out of nowhere. Um, mm -hmm. I've never audibly heard his voice, although I'm really hoping that it sounds like Bob Iker. Because when that, when that man read scripture, I felt connected to God. He had a beautiful yes. voice. His voice was very low. Yes. Mine is not. Yeah, that's okay. We love you. Um, yeah, so I think just, you know, really crystal clear thoughts. And I had that experience as I was in the middle of an interview in mm. February. That's and right. what I, we were out walking. I was talking with the dean and, as part of a really long 10-hour interview process. And the thought that just showed up was accept the information. And so that kind of really 
for, or, and I knew it was from God. So I stopped asking questions and I just listened. It's great. So great. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. You're I know welcome. you're on a journey and so many of us are on that journey where it's not easy and we have to persevere. We have to keep going. And as we're going through this series, we have no deadline or end date. And so we're just going to enjoy walking through this and learning together. Um, and I want to show you this quote. Dr. David Cho, uh, the pastor, he's passed away actually in the last uh, two years or so. Uh, pastor of the largest church in the world, 750,000. That's a big church. That's a mega church. If you want to know what a mega church is, that's a mega church. He says, the language of the Holy Spirit is the dream and vision. So he's saying, hey, look, I'm pastoring this big church. I know a few things, and it's all about dreams and visions. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about for the next, I don't know, probably three or four weeks. Um, as I looked historically through some of the church fathers, here's some of those old dead guys, like St. Augustine of Hippo or Polycarp, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, you know, the greatest hits of, you know, uh, patristic fathers. All of them either write chapters or whole books about how important it is for us to receive dreams and visions from God. So historically, the early church said, yes, God speaks supernaturally, does supernatural things, and he does give dreams and visions. Well, fast forwarding through about a thousand years of the dark ages, we get this guy, Thomas Aquinas, who, by the way, was amazing. An incredible philosopher, theologian. He came up with some brilliant things that even in seminary, I couldn't even wrap my brain around. I'm like, this guy was amazing. An incredible person who understood how truth and reason and God and science all fit together so beautifully. The problem is that he got to a place where he took it a little bit too far and he really downplayed the supernatural, miracles, healings, tongues, other things that we would actually embrace in our church today, he said, nah, not as much. And he was just very left-brained, which is, he was a gift. He showed us proof of God's existence in miraculous philosophical ways. But toward the end of his life, he began to have experiences with God supernaturally. He had a triple dream experience where the Lord showed up to him, and it messed up his theology. And he said this, I can do no more. In other words, I'm not going to write anymore. Such things have been revealed to me that all I have written seems as straw, and I know, and I know await the end. I now, sorry, that's my typo. I now await the end of my life. He's at the end of his life realizing, oh wow, God's way more powerful and available and speaking than I thought. We're going to give him a pass, by the way. He's an incredible father in the faith, right? So don't get, him mad. don't get mad at Aquinas. He's pretty great. But really, after Aquinas, the church has shied away from anything that seems supernatural or weird. Not all the churches, but so many churches. If you look at church history, you begin to see that there's skepticism. There's worry that somehow this might be magic or witchcraft or idolatry, something that would be not of God. And while I appreciate being careful and safe and making sure that things are from God, and that's why we, we test things against God's word and we have the abundance of wise counsel. There was the baby thrown out with the, ba the bathwater 
And it's been kind of a wrestle since then. So we'll start talking about dreams and visions today. Open the eyes of my heart. We sang that song just a few minutes ago. Had a little guitar hoot nanny. Ephesians 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So here's Paul. He's writing this this book, this letter to the Ephesians. He's saying, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom revelation. I want God to reveal things to you so that you can have this better life. And I pray, verse 18, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul is saying, I want the eyes of your heart to be opened. Well, what does it mean for your eyes, the eyes of your heart to be opened would be the question that I would begin to ask. And we begin to look at the New Testament and the Old Testament. I'll start in the New Testament, actually. Acts 2, this is at Pentecost where Peter is speaking and he's quoting from a book in the Old Testament, Joel. And so this is quoting Joel 2. And it's he says this to these people gathered. In, these, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That day, Pentecost, was the time when the, the Holy Spirit came and began to dwell in God's people after Jesus had ascended to heaven. And so what? So you should always ask that. So what? What's, what's the big deal about that? Well, you're going to get the Holy Spirit So your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll speak out words from God that they hear from God to others. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Now, while Paul's saying this, old men still see visions and young men can have dreams. In fact, many of us do, right? So this isn't just just men and it's not just to these ages, but you see the giving of the Holy Spirit was for things specifically like this. If you go back to the Old Testament, you have this little minor prophet named Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 2, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. The ramparts are like uh, the wall of the city. And I will look to see what he will say to me. I will look to see what he will say to me. You see, the, you see that in Revelation, by the way, too, where, where John says, I looked and I heard. Wait, were you looking or were you hearing? What are you doing? Yes, all of the above, right? You look at the book of Daniel, and he looked and he looked and he looked. and he, I mean, Daniel's constantly looking. And because he's looking, God shows him things. Here's John in Revelation 4. After this, I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I had heard, there's the seeing and the hearing at the same time. I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Well, and then we go on a crazy ride of the rest of the book of Revelation. So this idea of dreams and visions, dreams are what happens when you're asleep when you, your defenses are down and the Lord can show you things. And sometimes he needs to get our brain out of the way so that we can receive what he has for, him, for us. So that's dreams. 
And it is true, like, God has a dream for my life. I have dreams in hopes. Yes, that's true. But I'm talking about when you're sleeping, God gives you a dream and communicates something to you. It's all over the Bible, and we'll talk about it for the next three or four weeks. So plenty of time to show you examples of that. Think Mary and Joseph, and you'll be on the right track. Or Joseph. Joseph from the Old Testament. Lots of Josephs. Visions are when you're awake. So right now, I want you to picture, while you're looking at me, I want you to picture coming up to your, your front door. You got it? You got the picture in your head? You're going to come up to your front door. You're going to unlock your front door. Okay, have you unlocked your front door? Now you're going to open the front door. Now you're going to walk in. You're going to turn around. You're going to shut the front door. And you're going to put your keys. Now you're going to walk to where you put your keys. Go put your keys away. You see where you're, it's on that hook or in that spot. Make sure you put it there because you're going to forget it later where they're there. And then you're going to walk probably into the kitchen. Are you walking to the kitchen with me? Yeah, and you're going to open up the refrigerator. You got the refrigerator open yet? Does it need to be cleaned? Yes or no? Yeah, it does. Okay, on that canvas that you're picturing right now is where visions happen. Sometimes we can see visions as daydreams, right? Where all of a sudden your brain is thinking about something. Now, those visions can come from different places. We'll talk about that later. But really, I want to I have two of my friends come. Uh, George and Lori, come on up and um, share a story or two. Because um, adults oftentimes don't find their way until they find a way. And it's just nice to hear different experiences and how, how different people um, experience these things differently. So this is Lori. Lori, tell us another story or two. I'll tell you a little story. I was saved when I was 10 years old. Just a little backstory. Um, and the pastor who brought me to the front of the church, talked about going to hell. If you weren't saved, you're going to hell, and I was scared to death. So here's my real story. About four months later, I'm 10 years old. I'm in bed, and I see from my ceiling, I'm having an outer body experience, the Lord Jesus came and picked me up, and then he sat me on his lap. See his face because he was so brilliantly white, but I know that I was being held by Jesus. And he shared with me how much he loved me. And it was a deep love that surpassed the love of my parents, even. And I woke up, I, I'm believing it was a vision because I remember being very much awake when it started. But I came back to my bed and I began crying. And my mother and father came in to check on me. And we prayed, and I told them again and again and again, now I know he loves me. Now I know Jesus loves me. And at 10 years old, I got a prayer language. So I, I want to share that story because you guys need to know your kids will have visions just like that scripture says. And they will have dreams, and you need to be aware and listen to what they have to tell you. Yeah, if they tell you that it happened, then make sure that you take it seriously. I think that yeah. is a very Listen. important thing. Yeah. yeah. Another story I want to talk to you about um, happened, oh gosh, maybe 15 years ago, maybe longer. Neighborhood Church was having a 40-day fast, and I decided, by golly, I was going to make it 40 days through this fast, and I gave up dinner, and I gave up watching TV, and, and I was 
following some of these talk about perseverance. While my family was eating dinner, I was in the bedroom praying and reading the word, trying to find God. And it wasn't working too well for the first 10 to 15 days. Humility. I was, I was asking forgiveness for anything and everything I could think of. Man, I was surrendering everything. And then I was also being still and waiting for that voice. So a few days and maybe two weeks into this, we went out and did some errands with our two youngest kids. So just think mayhem, chaos and mayhem, right? In a car with two kids and we're looking for helmets so they can ride the snowmobiles. And all of a sudden, as I'm sitting in the front seat, I see a book in front of me. And the book opens. And you know those kids' books that are like pop-up books? The, the pictures kind of come up in front of you? That's what happened. And I look over at George, and he's, he's still driving. And the kids are still, still being very loud on the back seat. And so I look back at my lap, and that picture became a movie talk about freaking you out a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure what this is, but I'm pretty sure it's the Lord. And he began talking to me about me and who I was and my identity. And we stopped and we had to get out to go into the next store. And I'm like, I, I'm in a holy moment. How can I get out of this? But how can I send George in to make sure the helmets fit? Sorry, honey. But you know, moms are like control freaks sometimes. And I was kind of a control freak with my kids. So I got out of the car, went inside. We looked at helmets, got back in the car. I sat down and bam, it's there again. And the page turns. And it's a whole different part of the story. Wow. That happened from about nine in the morning until about two in the afternoon. We would go inside to a store, I'd come back and it would hit me again. And I, I remember coming home and saying to George, I don't even know how to handle this. So I called my friend, many of you know Kathleen Mathias. Um, and I said, this is what just happened to me and I don't understand it. I think he called me his beloved and I've never heard anyone use that kind of language. I mean, terminology that day, was unreal. Words I had never heard being used from Jesus to a person were being said to me. And so I started talking to her and sharing my story with her. And she said, Lori, Jesus just taught you what the house of prayer in Kansas City would be called bridal paradigm. It's all about being the bride of Christ. Most incredible thing, it, both of those visions changed my life forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, George, you're up. George is wired a little differently. Yeah, mine's real different. <laughs> dreams and I, most of my dreams are wonky, okay? They're just cray-cray. We'll just leave them at that. But visions I have frequent. And sometimes I spend time as I say, with heaven, in his presence, in vision. But one in particular, I 
was waking up, so I don't know if it was dream, vision, and I saw three bulldozers and a cable going over an embankment. It was kind of fuzzy, kind of blurry, and I'm like, well, that's odd. The next morning, I see it again, but a lot clearer. I woke up, went back to sleep, and I woke back up, still with the vision in my heart, and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm missing something. You know, it's like, all right, heaven, I, I, I need some real clarity. And then I saw this kind of body of water thing, and I'm like, Lord, what is this? So Thursday rolls around. This start, I think, started on Monday, possibly Sunday morning. And now I've had this thing six, seven, eight times. I don't know. And it won't leave me during the day. And I have this, what I call a safetyometer. My safetyometer, something was pegging it yep. toward red. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is the cause of, I have a, I have a safety violation. My guys are working on the campfire cleanup and, and we're, we're, we're doing some really steep stuff. And I'm like, okay. So my nephew was getting married on Saturday and on Thursday night, I knew I couldn't go to the wedding. Now, I always go to my family's weddings and stuff. It was getting to be so important to me that I missed the wedding. So Saturday morning, we're having a safety meeting and the three bosses have decided that they want to lower some of my excavators over this, not a cliff, okay, but you couldn't walk up it, but you could crawl up it on all fours. And it was probably 75 degrees, not 90, vertical, but 75. And they wanted to lower my guys, our equipment over this cliff to repair all the dozer lines. And by the way, the dozers that did the lines went over and it took five or six pieces of equipment to winch them up the hill because it was too steep. And when I looked over the hill, the cable wasn't there, but Lake Oroville was there. And I went, oh, this is what I've been praying about. So. The answer was, I've already prayed for a week. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll lower you with a winch and three bulldozers and I'll, we'll just let you dangle off the cliff in your pickup truck or something. And they'll all, you know. And it was so bizarre they would even ask the question, okay? And they thought I was wonky enough to go over the cliff. It's like, ah, oh, no. But the Lord prepared me for almost a week. He prepared my heart. He prepared me with his presence. Of, and, and I see, I didn't understand it until I looked. And there's Lake Oroville, you know, a couple miles away. And here's this cliff. And I'm like, I had perfect peace on telling him, no, not, never not going to happen, and it took a while to get their attention. And 
it was so impactful to me that the Lord prepared me with a vision. And he can do that with you. Sister, you said you, you want to hear God's voice. I'm different. I get to hear it frequently. So hear his voice in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can do the impossible if we're willing to listen and if we're in a place, a posture of receiving. Right. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you can take that. Um, yeah, thanks. You can platform. I think, uh, I don't even know, George kind of made it clear that those three tractors that he saw in his dream were already stationed behind them at the embankment. So it was a pretty clear picture, right? So we're just going to spend a few more minutes here, um, then we'll pick it up next week. Because some of you are thinking, well, there's some different places that you can, you can receive dreams from different places, right? That's me and a puppy, by the way, if you're wondering if I'm just snuggling a teddy bear or something. <laughs> if I put any of my, my family up there sleeping, I would hear about it forever, so I put myself up there. So certainly we can hear from God in dreams. We'll talk about that. We can work out our own stuff, right? It's, uh, psychologists would tell you this is oftentimes where you're working out all the stuff. That's your, just your stuff. Your brain's trying to wrap itself around stuff and accept things that are hard. Um, and then the enemy of your soul uh, can definitely impact your dreams. So um, just a brief flyby, and we'll talk about it next week more, but my own thoughts and dreams, right? Sometimes it's rehearsing or replaying either what you've seen. So I noticed I'm watching a lot of crime shows right now, and then I'm trying to solve murders in my sleep. <laughs> That's neither from the enemy, nor is it from the Lord. It's just me trying to solve crimes and be like the people on Bones, right? Sometimes I am trying to solve problems all night in my dreams. How about you? Anybody solve problem solving in your dreams? You're like, you go to sleep and then like you're trying to solve the problems and then you might wake up and then you go back to sleep and you're just trying to solve the problem. It's just stuff going on. Your brain's working constantly. It's also, if you study sleep, it's also sorting things out and putting things into long-term memory and washing out things that you don't need. Our bodies were created so beautifully by God that sleep is one of the most important things you guys can be doing. And obviously, one of the things we're going to do is actually pray for your sleep here in a few minutes. Um, if you're feeling stress or anxiety, that can come out in your dreams. Eating too much pizza uh, definitely gives me weird dreams. Um, or maybe you're having a malfunction. So I had a, um, a, the worst migraine I'd had in years on Monday. And I was absolutely miserable, and I was not in town. So, you, you know, you're not in town, and you're somewhere else, and you're just... Ah, and I'm trying to do anything I can to get some relief. And when I closed my eyes, something happened to me that had never happened before. And that was, I just kept seeing pictures. They were as clear as I'm looking at your faces right now. There was this man, wrinkled face. I could see him, just brilliant blue eyes. And all of a sudden, then I could see something completely different. And something, and it was just like, my brain was malfunctioning. The pain was so intense, but besides throwing up constantly, whenever I laid down, I would just see all these. I thought, oh, should I go to the hospital? I'm okay. It all works out well. But it's a good example of you could have very vivid, I'll call them hallucinations, because of pain or your body's not working right. Anybody ever had that before? 
<laughs> They're like, please, I'm, I'm not going to tell you because they might. How about this? Anybody ever have a nightmare? Raise your hand. Oh, look at all of you. You know why? Because the enemy of your soul hates your guts and he wants to steal your sleep. And um, so last Sunday was Easter Sunday. Sometimes before a big holiday like that, I could feel a little nervous talking to a bunch of people, feeling like I want to do a good job because I'm so responsible. And so sometimes in my dreams, I'm, I'm preaching and, you know, and like either my iPad's not working or like I can't see anything or I don't know, I can't remember what I'm going to say. You know, that's like normal like work dreams, right? You have those dreams like you forgot to go to class for the whole semester and then now you have to take the final. Anybody have to have that one, right? Or, you know, or you went to school naked. I love that one, right? Or you just, you dress from here, but you're just like naked from the bottom down, right? So these are all like things. So I'm having kind of one of those dreams, but in the midst of it, somebody comes and grabs the microphone away from me. And I'm like, okay, it's so cool. I guess they have a word from the Lord. So I, I came over here and, and, I'm, and I say to their friend, hey, what are they going to say so I can make a really good transition after their word? And, and the, the friend said, oh no, like you shouldn't even speak anymore because everything you're going to say, they already know. And you didn't even work on this message, did you? It's not a work dream anymore. It's a nightmare. Where do nightmares come from? The enemy. The tone tells you. The accusing tone told me. It's four o'clock in the morning, Sunday, Easter Sunday. I wake up. What's my emotion? Oh, I'm ticked. Bring it on. The enemy of my soul just stole an hour of sleep from me and my peace. And I'm going to talk about peace that morning. And I'm, I'm going to get up extra early and I'm going to go to pray because devil's going to get hit in the mouth right? That was my response to having the enemy come after me, right? Why would you have a nightmare? Well, um, I've worked with quite a few people. By the way, nightmare, the etymology of this word, if you go back to like the 1300s, you get this like this idea of a female spirit that comes and tries to suffocate you. Has anyone ever had a night terror, a nightmare, or something where you woke up and you could barely breathe? Raise your hand. Okay, this is this demonic attack. You don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you've experienced that, that's what that is. So a nightmare, technically, when you go back centuries, it's this, um, I couldn't remember, so I wrote it down. Um, female evil spirit thought to lie upon and suffocate sleepers. And, um, yeah, and it's in all sorts of different cultures, but it's the same thing. It's the enemy of our soul. It's a spiritual attack. Now, open doors. I've got that on the list here. What do I mean by that? Well, some people think horror movies are fun. I'm going to just, you know, entertain these things. Guess what? You then open up the door for the enemy to get to have his playground in your, in your thought life. So whenever I run across somebody who's having nightmares, that's one of the first questions I ask. What kind of stuff are you letting in your brain? And what are you reading right before you go to bed? One night I read the book of Judges and there was all this killing and I didn't sleep very well at all. I just kept dreaming about killing, even though it's God's word, right? Like, and think, Andrew, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm sensitive and so are you. I mean, you might look tough on the outside, but your heart is really soft on the inside. So we have to be careful what we let in. 
Um, yeah, have you had dark, dirty, violent, or distracting dreams? Those are from the enemy. You wake up like that, you just say, no, no, that's not me. I'm not going to accept that. That's not me. That's, that's the enemy tempting me and putting this crap in here. No, I just going to reject it. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to, have to feel shame about it. I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, push that out. So if it's bringing fear and dread, definitely not from the enemy. So when you have a nightmare, just really quickly, because if I didn't say this, I would kick myself all week. You have a nightmare. You wake up. You say, be gone in Jesus' name. Or you can just say, Jesus, which is generally what happens. Because some of you, it is going to be such an awful experience that you won't even be able to, you won't even be able to speak. You're, and it'll be everything inside you, the Holy Spirit helping you to be able to say, be gone in Jesus' name. Jesus, help. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Okay, just quickly finishing up. We'll continue talking about this. Dreams from God. Sometimes God gives us the answers to problems. We'll talk about that in future weeks. Sometimes we can't figure something out and God has a strategy for us and he'll actually reveal it in a dream. You could not even imagine how many Saturday nights I go to sleep and I have a dream and God gives me another piece of the message during a dream. And I don't get up and go, I heard this in a dream last night. I just say it. But God is wanting to be a part of our life. Sometimes he gives us a dream to nudge us to pray for somebody. I always pray for somebody if they're in my dream. I mean, I think somebody had a dream about me this last week. I can't remember who it was, but somebody came to me, I think I had a dream about you. Well, what was it? What was going on? Oftentimes dreams point you in a new direction, help you see things that you couldn't see otherwise. Certainly they bring God's comfort and a feeling of God's presence. So, Years ago, we were struggling with infertility, and um, we had had kid number one, kid number two, and just tons of problems and miscarriages and difficulties, and I felt horrible for my wife. I felt horrible for myself. And if you've gone through that or if you're going through that right now, you know, please let us know. We'd love to pray with you and walk with you. It's a long journey sometimes, but God's in the midst of it. And in the midst of it, I just asked, Lord, will you give me a dream? Because if we're supposed to just stop trying to have kids, then we, I just want you to take the desire away. But if we're supposed to have more kids, we really want more kids. Lord, will you please help? And so I went to bed with a, one of those little school lined paper kind of, what is it called? What are those things called? Composition, Composition book. Thank you, Allie. And I put it on my, because I was expecting God to speak to me. Is that presumption? No, it's what, you, what faith looks like, Right? Because I know God loves me, and he speaks. His sheep know his voice. If I belong to him, then I hear his voice. So, God, I believe you're going to speak to me in a dream. Now, am I going to test that dream to make sure it's not from these other sources? Sure. But God, I'm going to believe in you, right? So we have these, I have this series of four different dreams. And um, I've told this story before, so I won't tell it in detail. But uh, suffice it to say that the first dream I'm standing out on a ski boat at Almanor, and uh, I'm looking to see how many kids are on the tube. Being an old youth pastor, I'm like, how many kids are out there? And it's foggy, and I can't see. And from behind me, I hear this voice, and I feel this hand on my right shoulder. It's his left hand on my right shoulder. It's a voice behind me. It says, it's okay. I can keep them safe. And I knew just the peace of God 
came over me and I went, Jesus is standing behind me. He just put his hand on my shoulder. And I, don't, I didn't know what it meant at the time. But then fast forwarding, then at the, end, the, the last dream was a little girl and a little boy and a little tiny girl that looked just like the first one. If you know about our family, that's Catherine and Michael and Mimi. And had I paid attention to the age of the kids, I would kind of know that this was what God was doing. But it was what we needed to have the hope and faith to keep moving forward. But my wife was the one who needed the first dream because she thought, if we have any more than two kids, can we really keep them? And the voice of God was, yes. And how do I know it's Jesus? Because when he speaks, he's behind you. Why would he be behind you? Because he's got your back. Isaiah 30, verse 21, great verse, guys. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way God speaks to us. He speaks from somewhere back here. And sometimes it's not audible. Oftentimes it's not audible, but it's this sense that says, I've got you and I'm gonna lead you. So as we move into dreams, um, Stephen, if you wanna come up while I'm praying for, um, for this, I want to pray for you to have dreams from the Lord, and I want to pray that you will not have nightmares, all right? So if you want to receive that, you can just put your hands out right where you're at. Jesus, you are the Lord of our dreams, and I believe that you're about to turn up the dial on dreams and visions in our church. You're going to begin to reveal your heart for us. This is about learning what our identity is. This is about walking in your ways. This is about you showing us how to live this life to the fullest. And so thank you that this week we are going to have dreams and even visions from you. I pray for your protection that you guard our time in the nights. Lord, that you would protect us from the enemy that would try to come and steal, steal our sleep, steal our peace, put fear in our hearts. Lord, show us who those spiritual counselors are around us, who we could process our dreams with and who we can pray about. God, what is it that you might be saying? Lord, thank you that you're always speaking and that you have us in your hands. So I pray a blessing over this family, not only meeting here right this minute, but those who are watching online and those who will watch someday. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I speak this blessing. Amen.